All right, we're well. We're back to another Mind Over Money, where we come to you every Thursday at noon, talking about different financial topics, trying to help educate you on some new life hacks on our way to making a fatter wallet for yourself. Today, I've got uh, commercial banking expert Eric Moss, and uh, I've known Eric for a long time. And so, Eric, I just want to go ahead and jump in. We'll, I'll let you tell everyone who you are in a second, but. Today, this week has been pretty uh, interesting when talking about banking and, and whatnot, because why? The Fed basically came out with another rate hike. And, um, you know, I don't know. It's like I, I'm not quite sure what to think of that. You know, they're determined to try to get us to that 2% level. And I'm sitting there going, well, we're under 3% now. So what's the what's the what's the difference? Yeah, what are your thoughts on that? Well, thanks for thanks for having me on. You know, we're we're midsummer here, and um, you know, six seven months ago, I I recall asking um, Santa Claus for a uh, slim waist and a fat wallet. But I'm looking at it, and I, I think he got the two mixed up. <laughs> well, hopefully, uh, hopefully after today, we'll make your wallet a little fatter from this show. <laughs> no, it's no, it's always good to, to connect and just. Uh, I think to your point. You know, even six, seven months ago, you know, the environment that we're in is is very different because the the Fed continues to, um, you know, increase uh, the the rates. Uh, they hit pause last month, but just recently, yesterday, you know, they they increased. You know, in in my view, I I I try not to be too from a speculation standpoint. I try to avoid, you know, what the future holds. However, with this most recent hike, you know, as a firm from a JP Morgan view, you know, we had a pretty good indication that this would be the outcome. And I think what we're seeing is, is, you know, look, um, the economy is still, uh, is still churning. I mean, things are still hot. And so I think they're trying to get a handle on that. Um, you know, I think from, with respect to this show, though, if, if you're not, paying attention as much as you and I are because it's our industry and our area of focus. I think it's a really great time to use this event of the Fed raising rates again. Check the oil across the board on everything you're doing from a financial standpoint. And, you know, just just try to understand what portions of my debt are fixed rate debt or variable. Um, and and what areas of my exposure from a from a loan standpoint um, change as the Fed policy changes? That would be a great thing to do. That that's awesome advice. You're absolutely correct because I think the average American doesn't understand what debts they have and the difference between the fixed and the variable. And you know we're we're still sitting with a mount a mountain amount of credit card debt in this country. And obviously, there's been the student loan controversy for the last six months, which I thought was going to be over now. And it seems like uh, the president's going to try to take another bite out of it from a different angle. But that's that's a different story. We're going to have a woman from Gradfin come on in a couple of weeks and she'll fill us in about student loan debt. So just to uh, oh, did we lose your picture there? It No, it, it pops in and out. So, you know, just to tell our audience, so you, you mentioned JP Morgan. So you, you're a commercial banker with 
with Chase Bank. Tell us exactly, mm -hmm. like you're helping business owners or, you know, who who is, you know, your target that you're helping out on a day-to-day -day basis? Yeah, so in, in the 10 years I've been at Chase, I've been in the commercial banking space. I was in our small business group for the majority of my time there, but over the last two years, I've worked with middle market sized companies. Um, the way we define that is from 20 million to 100 million in top line revenue. Um, but in our commercial bank, you know, we, we cover from 20 million up to 2 billion in revenue. Um, you know, and in my group, we're, we're in that 20 to 500 million space. And, and my specific segment and focus is it caps at around 100 million in revenue. And um, it's an exciting time to be in that space because you've got a lot of, uh, you know, private equity interest. And um, it, my group doesn't work in venture capital as much. It's more private equity and sponsor um, interest. Um, and it's dipping down into that, the lower end of that middle market spectrum. What um, about for the small business owner? Does Chase have an area, you know, for that under 20 million? Like if, if I, if I'm a small business owner and I'm like, oh, I'm just killing it, but man, if I had a, you know, uh, some, some additional capital, I could expand, you know, yeah, should they be coming to you or you can put them in touch with the right people at Chase. Absolutely. It, if, uh, if you think banking, think, think my name, I'd be happy to, to direct you uh, in the in the Chase arena. Um, and so under 20 million is covered by our business bank, which is the group that I came from. Um, and yes, we've got solutions and, and service to accompany those that we can handle. It's the coolest thing, Van, is in our office in Atlanta, we can literally take a company from startup to IPO. And you're dealing with teams that, that are all centric to uh, our corporate office um, right off Peachtree. So let's continue down this path. I'm, I'm a business owner. I'm killing it, but I want to expand, but I'm nervous calling Eric because I'm like, well, the Fed keeps raising rates. I'm not going to be able to afford to borrow money. Where where do you stand on that? I mean, is is that really the case or is now just as good a time as any? You know, I, I think if something's on your mind, um, I would certainly start where you're currently banking and find resources there to see if you can satisfy. Um, you know, I think from a planning standpoint and looking into the future from a strategic perspective, um, finding a, a, an institution that's going to best suit your needs and, you know, or the direction that you want to take the, your organization, um, that would be a good thing to invest in. But if there's any pressing, you know, concern surrounding the rate environment, my recommendation is check in as a, as a first call to your current institution. And but just know that that there's a lot of banks out there, you know, and uh, of all shapes and sizes. And um, so if, if you don't feel like the service is, is quite adequate, Van, we're in financial services. Uh, your institution can't forget the second part of, of that, of the industry, the service yeah. component, right? So if, if I think life's too short to have pain from a service standpoint, banks are out there. There's a ton of great banks in market. Um, but start first with your current bank. See if they can uh, fill the gap or, or address the need. 
Um, but I think it is wise to invest time into, um, you know, another consideration. And that's more from a building relationship and really before you have a need, understanding, you know, the, the framework and the landscape of where you're going to go. Uh, that is an important thing to do. Yeah. Um, so, all right. So we got people that are going to watch this show and they're like, this doesn't relate to me. I'm not a business owner. I'm just an employee at some company. You know, what a van you're supposed to be teaching me and getting my mind on my money. And this doesn't help me get my mind on my money. Um, so I wanted to shift gears and talk more general about banking and mm -hmm. what your thoughts are or what you see coming down the line. Because you mentioned, you know, working with your existing relationship, there's a lot of in-market banks, you know, there's regional banks, there's the big national banks like yours and, and some of your competitors. And, you know, do you see, you know, I'm just wondering if we're in an environment where there, there used to be a point where it seemed like banks were consolidating left and right. And, you know, this bank was buying this other bank and they were changing their name. And, you know, I'm not going to sit there and mention your competitors that were doing all that but you know it, are we past that or is there still some i mean like are we in a phase of banking where this is what we got and now i just got to pick who i'm going to work with or is there going to be some consolidations in the future uh, i mean i think i think the industry will always have consolidation there's ebbs and flows between um you know new players entering entering the banking space and uh, deals being made to consolidate and ultimately offer more value for their for their clients. Um, but that, to answer your question, I think is inherent with with the industry. As many other industries, I would expect that to continue. There are times when you know it's more ripe than others to to pursue that. But I think in general, you will continue to see. Um, acquisitions and consolidations. So that, that kind of leads me to the second part of my question, which is, um, you know, there are more players today than say 15 years ago in the, in the online only banking, you know, the non brick and mortar type banks. Um, you know, I mean, are, is that going to continue? Is, are we going to a point in history where, you know, there's going to be fewer and fewer brick and mortars or we're still going to need those brick and mortars on every corner? You know, it's it's that's a great question. And it's it's been amazing to kind of see how the industry is, has shifted within within Chase. So to your point, there are a lot of um, the, the technology available. Um, we supply our, our clients with the capabilities to do everything they need to do in banking and never have to visit a branch. Um, and so there's a lot of that dynamic um, entering the marketplace. However, uh, Chase, we actually have, inter we kind of zigged when others zagged, so to speak. So Jamie Dimon uh, set out on a, a mission to be in the top 25 metro areas um, a few years back, and we've, we've accomplished that goal. So we've entered to, to our listeners, Jamie Dimon's the CEO of of Chase Bank and and a, and a fellow Greek, so I have a, an affection for for him because he's a fellow Greek. So sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you there. Yeah, that that is that is correct. Um, so yeah, so we've actually uh, 
at the end of last year, we're able to boast that we're in all 48 uh, of the you know, connected states. Um, first bank in, in the U.S. history to be able to, to make that claim. So while the trend in some places may be to go away from brick and mortar, we actually um, are expanding in that area. And we're not just doing it domestically, we're also doing it internationally with uh, brick and mortar internationally to uh, to come. Well, I still think, you know, and in, in I'm kind of, I mean, I'm, I'm older, so, you know, I grew up with the brick and mortar pre-internet and all that. And I love the internet and I love being able to do my banking, you know, mobile deposit my checks so I don't have to go in there to the branch. But there, there is something, I think, to be said to having that, that relationship with a banker where I can go in and I walk in. I mean, right now I walk into the bank that I go to and they all know my name and they, you know, it's like. I don't go very often, you know, but when I do, I, I have a great relationship and you don't get that from an online, you know, situation. Well, so it's, it's my view is it's about trust, right? The whole kind of financial system is, is built on trust and, you know, faith and confidence in, in whatever, you know, wherever you have parked, uh, you know, the value that you've accumulated, you know, if it's money, and you're parking it in a bank, you, you trust and have confidence that it will be there. And when you need to move the money, you'll be able to, to do that, you know, so the access will be there. But to your point, Van, it's what you cannot replace, no matter the technology, is the value of the relationship and the importance of maintaining that trust. Um, you know, in our model, uh, we do that through technology as an offering, but also through in-person opportunities uh, to support that. Yeah. Mentioning trust, you know, obviously I think at this point you'd have to be living under a rock if you did not, um, see the news over the last six months with what happened with banks. And there was a couple of banks that, you know, got themselves into trouble. Obviously, you know, Chase was not in there, but, um, any thoughts or comments about what happened earlier in the year with some of those banks and, you know, it seems like it, it just it happened and we moved past it and it didn't really cause any harm to anyone. Well, fortunately, um, post market disruption, things, you know, seem to stabilize to a degree. Um, you know, we we acquired uh, First Republic um, out of that market disruption. And, you know, we're glad to welcome all their clients, employees and um you know, there will be market disruptions. It's hard to predict exactly how they'll, you know, take shape and form. Um, but I think what we hang our hat on is during times like that, um, the Fed, the regulators looked to us as a leader um, and approached us to, to help support the stabilization effort in acquiring First Republic. Um, but I think the, the, the trend for these market disruptions is they seem to just happen uh, a lot quicker. And sometimes um, it's very hard to predict that because of the speed at which things happen. Information, um, I, information I, comes so quickly and, you know, I mean, it's like, you know, hard to keep up. And so. It is. Fortunately, I was, I was on uh, paternity leave during most of that. Um, but I quickly found out what was going on because my phone 
was uh was very busy um you know yeah. like march that your your business owners were concerned you know is chase going under yeah i don't know if it was so much that but it's it's i think it, it was a, an event that had a lot of significance and it certainly stuck i think in the minds of of a lot of people in the marketplace both in in commercial enterprises and then also individually and I know they were they've been considering since that event of raising the FDIC insurance rate. I don't know if they actually did that or not or if that's still on the table. Is that something that's coming down? Are they going to raise that that limit? Um I you know I'm not, I'm not as familiar with with that issue for the for the you know I here here's 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 my thoughts on it. People get confused and I get calls all the time. Is this FDIC insured? And, you know, usually the question revolves around when they have money in a brokerage account. And I have to explain to them that that's not a bank. The FDIC insurance is for for a bank and a brokerage account is not a bank. They're not insuring your investments. Um, And so, uh, you know, I, I question who's keeping 250,000 plus just sitting in cash. I'm sure your business owners might be from, you know, day-to-day operations. They might have a sizable amount of cash, but the average person, I'm not quite sure why they get so concerned over that FDIC insurance, because I don't see that it really makes much difference to the average person. Yeah, it, it, I think it's just, um, uh, FDIC is something that everyone hears about. I don't know if there's a broader understanding of what it means and where it applies, but but that's a good question. So do you, on your side, when you get that, I mean, are there any kind of guaranteed solutions that can take advantage of the, the no, there's no, there's no guarantee with investments. And so part of the problem is I've had a number of uh, people who were sitting on cash in their local bank and it wasn't earning much and they started seeing these money market rates at you know four and a half five percent now at like five i can have a money market mutual fund at 5.2 percent and they hear the word money market and think oh well that's just like money in the bank and no this is a mutual fund it's a money market mutual fund so it's not investing in stocks but it, it's still an investment, which means there is no FDIC insurance for that. Mm-hmm. And that's where people get confused and think that, oh, because I have cash, it should be insured. Now, can, can the money market lose money? Well, there's been only one time in history that I know of. And the only way it could lose money is if a dollar is not worth a dollar, where they say one dollar is worth 98 cents. You know, and and that did happen for like a week back in the 08, you know, debacle. But that's just not something that happens. So you have to have a lot of things go wrong to have a dollar not worth a dollar anymore. Yeah. Well, anyways. I I think it just drives home the point that that, you know, the relationship between, you know, the industry, uh, you know, the industry experts. And yourself is is one that that has significance. It's it's important. It matters. Well, we're almost to our twenty minute mark, and so hopefully, some people got something out of this on their way to being better educated about their financial life and put their money on 
on their money. Next week, we are going to have a conversation around the future of healthcare and technology. We have a great guest coming on to talk about that. And um, hey, keep your money on your mind and your mind on your money. And we will see you every Thursday at noon. Eric, thanks so much for coming on the Mind Over Money show. Van, thanks for having me. Anytime.